Welcome back to Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy Podcast. In part two of our conversation with Scott Myers Lipton, professor of sociology at San Jose State University, Scott it tells us about his social action course. He uses a quote from Frederick Douglass, Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Scott shows how his sociology social action class approaches the problem of 53,000 homeless students in the University of California system, a mind-boggling number that these students approach with um, a sense of power and determination. You know, one of the buzzwords now in higher education is leadership. Yeah. Um, it has a, a neoliberal capitalist spin on it. And um, in, in what ways are you working with your students to come up with more um, social justice focused definitions of leadership that um, involve real change? Yeah, that's a, you know, I think for me, leadership is, you know, the ability to, you know, work together on a common project and, you know, that you, you're, you're thinking about the project, you're thinking about the campaign and you're contributing what you have to offer to that campaign. And I think that model, because when you, you bring a group of students together, there are people that are more comfortable talking and not talking. And we try to get away from in the social action class that the leader is the one that talks and that the one's out front. And yeah, sometimes you have to have that, but we also try to rotate that and give a lot of people that experience. So it's not just in the hands of a few people or one student, usually, you know, historically been male, you know, white or lighter skinned, you know, out front. We try to say, no, you know, we want to have, you know, everyone have that opportunity and particularly folks that are marginalized. So we we're open to that, but some students, even if you say that and you try to, you're helping them with their speaking skills, they still don't want to do that out front, you know, kind of in front of the medium. And so we still say your contributions are important. Maybe you're going to be a flyer maker. You know, maybe you're going to help put up the flyers. Maybe you're going to table. They're all, those are all leadership responsibilities. And in a campaign, what's so great about when you do a campaign is that here's what I want to say something about why this is such an important pedagogy and, and is that you say, um, you ask students to get involved in a campaign. So we just, uh, five student students have joined the Student Homeless Alliance in an active campaign. They, you know, the first week they're in a sitting in a meeting with an assembly member and a, and a state senator. And they know by after their, they didn't speak in that meeting, they were just a part of it, but they knew immediately that they had to get caught up. So now they have to go out and learn all of the history and all of the, you know, the, the language of the bill and who are the players, who are the stakeholders and the knowledge the desire to know comes from their interest rather than me telling them there's a test on Friday and they got to study for it. So that's the, that's the power of this, you know, whether you call it service learning or in the so, social action, I call it kind of policy service learning model that I teach is that the knowledge, we, the students want to have the knowledge because they want to move their campaign forward rather than they want to have the knowledge to fulfill, you know, to get an A in the class, which they all want to do, of course, and that's fine. 
but you know, not just you know, to take the test and forget about it because it's been shown, the literature shows that this model of engaged learning is much more effective on critical thinking than the, you know, the, the banking model of education. One of the things that you're connected to is uh, the Bonner program. Yes. Um, and I'd like to hear a little more about that. Yeah, so the Bonner Foundation, you know, that's been going on almost 30 years. Uh, it has a long history. Um, Wayne Meisel and, and Bobby Hackett were there at the very beginning of Bonner. Wayne was the president for a long time. And those two folks, they're kind of important in the movement because they um, they were some of the founders of, the, of COOL, the Campus Opportunity Outreach League. Um, and so they have, uh, I think, 60-plus universities around the campus in their network, and they do a four-year leadership program training people to become civically engaged. Mm -hmm. About three and a half years ago now, I met Bobby Hackett, who's the president of the foundation of Bonner. And I met him um, at a, um, a, a year after a very dear friend of us had passed away very suddenly, a contemporary of ours, his name is John Sarvey. He was um, one of the kind of founding people, not just or engaged in COOL, but um, not so much founding, but very much engaged in the development of COOL, but also later on at um, um, the um, City Year program at, mm -hmm. uh, in Boston. And he died suddenly, very tragic, and... Um, and a friend, group of his friends got together a year later to plan in Boston, what could we do in his memory uh, for Bobby, uh, for, for uh, John. And so Bobby and I met at that, at that uh, gathering and uh, there were many ideas discussed, but Bobby and I came up with doing something kind of in John's memory um, on social action. I was just writing the book, Social Action, and it, it was in an opportune time for Bobby because Bobby was in with the foundation he was noticing that his juniors and seniors needed a more advanced civic engagement. That after the two years of talking about civic engagement and doing community service and service learning in, um, non in the nonprofit world, that they needed to kind of take it to the next level where students actually get a chance to try to enact a policy and kind of see how power operated. Because that's what happens in these campaigns. They they, you know, one is my students know all the city council members, they know that they know the mayor, they know the state assembly member. I mean, how many students can name those people and, and not only name them, but have been in the meetings with them, right? That that's a common experience in this class because they have to know the stakeholders in the community. Um, and it's very powerful. So Bobby is, is now, and, and for anyone that's hearing this and likes this idea and who's a staff or a faculty or even a student, because we've got students now teach uh, social action um, at their college campuses, um, is that we are getting together with about, there's like maybe 17 to 20 of us. We, we meet monthly and we're dialoguing about best practices of social action. Mm -hmm. And it's done through a webinar and we have folks from kind of the prestigious schools of Harvard and Stanford and then kind of, you know, the schools of, uh, you know, more of serving the working class, you know, Fresno State, San Jose State, and others like that, College of New Jersey. Maybe they're serving maybe maybe the middle class or upper middle class. And then we have the privates. You know, we have folks from Pitzer and other places. So we have a, a very diverse group of faculty and staff who are trying to figure this out. And I would just welcome anyone to have them contact me or the Bonner Foundation. My name's up on the web. You can find it and, um, and you can... Um, who are interested in how to do this, you know, this Ferrarian model 
this a model for the 21st century, a, a kind of a woman-centered uh, model of organizing, kind of connected to Alinsky, that has kind of the best of both of those worlds, and to you know to give students the opportunity to try to do it themselves. Let the students choose what the campaigns are, whatever they decide they do, but they get a chance to experience power firsthand. And there's nothing like experiencing power when you know you're on the phone call and you know some powerful person's telling you telling the student that you know they shouldn't be doing this for x y and z reasons and and the students kind of stand up and say this is why we're doing it this is what we're demanding and as, as uh you know as du bois not du bois but um you know uh i'm thinking of that one line it says never there's never been a, a demand you know in, without change you know if you want change you have to have a demand and it's, that's the way it is you know it always was and always will be that way and i, I think that's true one of the things I appreciate so much about Bonner and the daughter of a mother who is a Bonner program director, um, oh. I remember hearing, yeah, That's cool. um, yeah, I, so she's at Maryville College in East Tennessee, um, and I remember a conversation with her when I was young about how, so Bonner is a program that really um, wants to honor and reward service in young adults in the community. Right. Um, and also serves students who are almost always, at least at Maryville, Pell Grant recipients, very poor kids yeah. coming into college. And a lot of times they haven't had the opportunity to do service work because they're volunteering, because they're taking care of their younger siblings, or they're working two jobs on top of high school um, to support their families. And what I remember really appreciating was that like sewn into the core of how Bonner would evaluate applicants um, is thinking about those activities too as participating in an economy of service, um, which seemed to really politicize actually the work that people were having to do and underline why um, why economic change was so necessary. And so I guess I'm wondering, Scott, if you could say more about how um, you're thinking about this sort of civic engagement project with Bonner in conjunction with the economic justice critiques that I think are already um, so central to how uh, the idea of service and access is framed at that foundation. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting, I'm, um, I have my own perspective. I'll tell you what mine is. You know, others have different ones. But mine is, I think, it's, as, as a teaching in this class, is that students um, get to choose what they, what they want to do. Um, and, you know, whatever that is. And the students have their ideas uh, about it. Now, when they do, they have to do historical research on it, right? So there's a research component to this. And um, I have them do uh, an historical analysis, I have them do a power map, and I have them do a target analysis or you know, the, the decision maker. So there's three parts of that research that are central to social action. Now, one thing that I do differently is I have the students do issue development. You know, we were talking earlier before we were online about the Midwest, the Midwest Academy. And my book is, you know, I'm giving props to them by putting that exclamation point because they have the book organize you know it's the kind of an, an exclamation mark so i put change with an exclamation mark because i wanted to give props to them because they were the first book that i ever used on this topic um getting back so i want to get back to your question which i then i okay i got on that topic and so you want to talk about okay the political so i want to say so 
we do issue development right up front. Um, and so they choose their projects up front, they get involved, they, do, they start recruiting, building allies, and then we do this analysis part. And so I really encourage them to look at, and so as a, as a faculty, to understand kind of the left, the middle, and the right, and let them kind of, you know, deal with and focus on what are the, what are the you know, most successful policies. And if you look at my book on social solutions to poverty, that's what I've done in that is that, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm, a, I'm more of a progressive person, but when I teach this class, I don't bring that, that kind of politics in. What I say is, you know, know about if you're interested in, you know, um, wage, know that, you know, it was Milton Friedman who put forward the guaranteed income, who's a libertarian, that, you know, that there are these examples of, you know, folks from the libertarian right who put forward ideas. You should know about them and you should know what the left has put forward. So I do that and let them and let them know, because a lot of my students don't know what the difference is between left, middle and right. And so I see myself as giving them a broad understanding of those and then an analysis of those, and what's been the most effective solution-wise of those, and then have them decide how to move forward. That's how I see it um, as my role in the classroom. Well, I, this is more of a comment, but I really appreciate how, I remember once, um, I remember the irony of once getting arrested in a union protest as an act of civil disobedience and being assigned community service by a judge. Um, <laughs> And the answer, the answer, the, the comment that people gave me was afterwards was like, the arrest was a community service. Why are you being assigned to work in this soup kitchen that has all these police everywhere and that's hyper discipline yeah. when you were doing service in the first place with your union? And I, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate how your approach in getting students to getting students to select what they work on doing research is is creating a framework where we don't divide service from protest from scholarship that we're showing that 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 these these pieces have always worked together and that it separate them are mostly ideological ploys. Um, and, and I actually was, you know, one of these that I, when this, when that language, I remember back in the nineties when we were, because there was no service learning when I did my first course, you know, doing this, there, we called it community service. And so early on we were saying that other is called compensatory service. If you get signed by a, a jail, by a judge, this is something different, you know, community service in general, and then service learning. And what I tried to say is with service learning is that it's not enough you know, it, it, it's, it's a start to work and do service learning, like in a nonprofit setting, but you have to understand power and how power operates. And that, that you have to have, and, and I think the best way to do it is like, try to change a policy, whether at the campus level, the city level, the state level or beyond, and then you're gonna have an experience with how power operates. And I, I think that's, that's at the heart of, our democracy. And I think that's, that's what I'm really trying to do. And I tell my students, because we're in, I'm at a state university and we're always, you know, I'm supposed to be evaluating, which I do, what students are learning. And I push back a little and say, is, you know, I'm, I'm about the liberation of the heart and the mind. And that's what, that's what my, my focus is about. And, uh, and I kind of joke with students because I say, I know you all want A's, but, uh, and I know, you, you know, but, but what I care about is your, your, your liberation of the heart and mind. Mm. Yeah. Well, Scott, do you get pushback from your institution? You know, from um, yeah, I think, you know, 
I have a relationship with my dean that's very positive. He's a sociologist himself. And um, uh, I have received phone calls from him um, about my students doing their thing in the community and, or on campus. And um, I think what he wants or his administrator wants is that um, we have given whoever the, uh, uh, the opponent is, you know, the target or the decision maker, that we've given them ample opportunity to respond before they protest. Mm -hmm. And um, I've done that multiple times where there has not been that, you know, I'll give you one example with the Student Homeless Alliance. You know, I got a call because students were holding a press conference and holding a protest in a march. And he was like, what are your students doing? And I said, well, you know, they, they had, they walked by the office. They came to the office three times. They sent five emails. Let me send you those five emails. They got no response from the administration. And uh, so they're frustrated. And so they're, they've taken it to the next level. You know, they're, you know, they're turning on the heat one more step up. And uh, he's like, once he saw the, once he saw, he's like, absolutely. They're doing what they, so I think, you know, they're doing what they should be doing as students. So I think that kind of relationship you have with the administrators, even though it is, I realize that we make sometimes the administration uncomfortable doing this work, not just on my campus, but wherever it happens. But I would argue and argue to them all the time that we are better helping them come to a decision than if we weren't on the campus. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to they're gonna protest anyway. They're going to be engaged anyway. And this, by going through a class like mine, or other professors are teaching social action across the country that they can learn to do it better and more effectively and get to, you know, yes, because that's what we want. You know, what's, I tell my students a lot, you know, the goal is not to have the press that they get when they do their protests, but the goal is to win the, to win the campaign and have real positive results for the community. So it's to get to yes. And I think when administrators hear that, they're a little bit less, um, uh, you know, bothered or disturbed, but there's always going to be a tension um, around this. I mean, it can't be denied that there's going to be some uncomfortableness that students, but I also tell them, and this is another thing I tell them, and uh, is that I'm a full you know, I'm a professor, I have academic freedom, I'm teaching about power and democracy, which is central to my discipline, and I'm not uh, brainwashing my students, I'm giving them a variety of perspectives, and they're choosing their projects. So we're doing the best of, I would say we're probably being more open than maybe business classes that are having them work for, you know, a capitalist organization about, you know, doing something around profit that, that we could be doing more, be more open than maybe that kind of experience, which happens all the time at San Jose State in, at the heart of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Your context is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's happening, right? Our students are working for, the all these companies google and facebook and they're doing internships with them so they are also having a social action experience different than ours um and serving different needs but i would say that i i, I definitely push back uh, against that and um yeah so i think it's important i want to say one thing about that line about this is this is the line i would say it's frederick Douglass, and he said power concedes nothing without a demand it never did and it never will and i would say this I probably thought about that word more than any word in the, in the book, demand. Because I want to tell you, the university or the mayor or the city council, they hate that word. You, they, can't, they, they immediately tell the students, can you please use another word? <laughs> can't you say request? Can't you say ask? 
They do not want to be, they do not, and, and, I, and I have decided to use that word and to say to the students recommending, again, I, they can use it if they do what they want, but I recommend because it shows power. Hmm. It shows that they have power and they're making a demand of the people that have the power to give what they want. So I think that's, it's, a, it's a really important word and, uh, to, to for our young people and, and our professors who are doing it to think about is that we're asking students to make demands of the institutions that control our lives, our social lives. How do you connect this with um, the work you and your wife do yeah. Um, at the uh, Sequoia Retreat Center. That's a, everything's connected, right? So <laughs> remember that foundation I was telling you about or that work I was doing um, uh, where I came up with this idea of a, of a you know, a piece, ROTC, that turned into this invest program? Well, I was working for a foundation at the time called the Beyond War Foundation, who was in, they're working on, you know, coming up with solutions to war, particularly around nuclear war but also in Central America and, you know, Azerbaijan and, and Armenia, kind of the historical conflict in Israel and Palestine. So they had a retreat center. And um, I was a fellow at that national office for a mm, year and a half. Uh, and then fast forward, you know, or go forward 25 years, I was looking in the, um, uh, I was looking somewhere and I saw they were selling that uh, retreat center um, in the early 2000s. And I said to my wife, wow, that's amazing. Um, and in fact, she might have actually come to me and say, because she was doing some real estate at the time, and said she might have been the one that came to me. I said, hey, let's go look at it. So we went up and looked at it. And my wife was um, looking for, and interesting, you're talking about your background in, in religion, uh, I think, Lucia. You know, my wife was studying to be a Unitarian Universalist minister at the time at Star King School, and then went into business and then did well. And so she was looking to get out of that world and kind of get back to her roots. Um, on spiritualities, uh, and so we bought that retreat center, and it's now dedicated, it's always been dedicated to peace, but dedicated to, you know, for people who are doing what I call the good work, trying to make our world a better place in space. So it's in Santa Cruz Mountains, called Sequoia Retreat Center, SequoiaRetreatCenter.com if you want to look at it, um, and it's uh, 15 acres, and it's got a beautiful lodge with you know, it has 69 uh, beds, uh, 59 beds plus a house right off, right off the retreat center. It's fabulous. And we have the most amazing groups, people who are working in the, you know, against the prison industrial complex, working on homelessness, tons of environmental groups. Um, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a transformative space, both personally and, you know, in the political social world. So we just have these amazing groups. Here's the funny thing about that is that you could, we worked the first year doing it. We made no money after working 24 seven and my wife, like we need another model. So now in the summers we do weddings. So the weddings actually then pay for the nonprofit world that come up there <laughs> throughout the year, but it, it's connected. And we, you know, we just feel like our, our, you know, our team who are thinking about trying to make the world and you know, a better place needs a space and a place, um, you know, on the West coast. And so, you know, we're not the Highlander center on the, you know, in Tennessee, which actually runs programs, people bring their programs to us, but we, we, in that same vein of having, holding a space in the sacred redwood forest of these trees that can grow 4,000 years, the longest living creature on our planet, and to be there and, uh, and have a meditative space to kind of rethink the world, we, we think is important to do. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm noting the time, we're moving towards an hour, so I guess I just wanna ask as a last 
general question, um, and maybe Tina has a last question too, but what what's next? What's your vision for the next thing? That's a great um, I just asked my students that last night, so now you're asking me. Um, next. Yeah, well, I, you know, the end, of, the end of one of your books is you have to have a vision. I know. Something bigger. Well, I'm really, gonna, I'm really trying to push this idea of social action classes to faculty and staff, like service learning centers, to, to teach. And so I am, um, I am I'm talking about it, like with you. I'm going to Wisconsin and speaking at their campus compact. Uh, meeting in March, mid-March, I'll speak to 100 service learning educators there, professors and staff. And then I'm going, my wife and I are going on a, a um, two-month long um, campus book tour, national tour of my, of my book. And we're going to come across the country and be in, you know, Wisconsin, in uh, Ohio, in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Virginia, and speaking to, on college campuses, I'm going to be speaking about the book and how, you know, students, I think, want to hear about this possibility and, I, and to see if there's faculty and staff who'd be willing to teach it. So um, anyone that's listening to that, if, you know, you're, you're on the way from California across to Virginia, look me up, uh, you know, smlipton at gmail.com uh, or at the website, www.myerslipton.com. And I'm, I'm going to be doing this national book tour and trying to push it out along with the Bonner Foundation. You know, the Bonner, we're doing these monthly webinars and want to invite anyone who wants to join that. You're more than welcome to be a part of that dialogue. There's 20 or so educators on that right now. And, you know, we need a space and a place to figure out how to do it. And I have this model that I developed really from the work of Midwest Academy and, and um, Solinsky, of course, and stirred up by uh, 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 Ren Kusen and so many others who've, um, Joe Maneri, you know, Radical Democracy, all these books, but none of those books were directed at colleges. And so this book goes into the flow of a college semester, one semester, which can be repeated. And I would just say what's fun about it is the students do a notebook at the end of the semester of their campaign, and they turn it in, and then that gets handed to the next group the next semester, if they want to continue to campaign, if they don't, it doesn't. But if, if they choose that campaign, they get the notebook. So the students, again, want to do a great job on that notebook about the historical analysis and, the, and the, you know, the, all the recruitment material and their, you know, their power map and their target analysis, all that in their campaign implementation and their evaluation gets put into a notebook that's a living document for the next group that's going to take that on if they want to take it on. So... It's taught every semester, so it, it, the campaigns, which sometimes take several years, that minimum wage, four years, Student Homeless Alliance, four, you know, four, or I say four semesters, not four years, four semesters of those, both of those experiences, it just doesn't happen in one semester. So it's important to have multiple, and that's one thing, College of New Jersey, they've got five faculty now, and they're going to teach it every semester, but in different departments, which is another way to think about it, not just in sociology, but in environmental studies in anthropology and in women's studies, but different semesters. So students could actually continue that social action, but in another class. So it's a different model. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. And Alrighty. Scott, we want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, we've learned a lot from your work and, and plan on learning more as your vision increases. So thank mm -hmm. you. Take care. Bye.
Yeah, bye. We'll be in touch. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy Podcast. Lucia Hulsether and me, Tina Pippen, are your hosts. Our producer is China Wilson. Audio editor is Aaliyah Harris. The music for the intro and outro and interstitial music, parts one and two, is by Lance Eric Hagen with Aviva and the Flying Penguins. Our outro music on part two is by Paul Myers, Prayer for Outcasts, available on bandcat.com. Mm-hmm.